the muscles that we once had that were so firm and, and so ripped, the six-pack and the eight-pack that used to be so well-defined is now a deflated beach ball. The, the hair that used to flow so fine and used to be so plentiful has now turned white and taken flight. Bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that upon this day that you shall anoint every word that I shall speak. Take control of my mind, my mouth, and my spirit. Father, I pray that you open the hearts and minds to those who shall hear the word of God upon this day. In thy Son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Giving honor to the pastor of this great house of worship, Dr. Evans. Dr. Evans, I thank you for sharing your pulpit upon this day. And I want to let you know that I am not here to deliver the eulogy because I'm a better preacher. Far from it. Your accomplishments overshadow mine by miles. It is not my qualifications as a minister as to why I stand here. Immediately upon Paul's passing, when I talked to the Lord, she immediately asked me, would I deliver the eulogy today simply because I was his friend? And I have never delivered a eulogy before for someone who I truly knew. I've been a minister for nearly 15 years. I've delivered a lot of eulogies, but I have never delivered a eulogy for someone who I truly knew. Let me kind of explain why. There are basically three categories that most pastors will find themselves in when they have to speak on such occasions. The number one category, it is usually a member or regular attendee of the church. And though we know them, we don't really know them. We see them on Sunday or perhaps during a midweek service, we shake their hands after service. We know what they contribute to the church. But we really don't know them. All of you know the President of the United States. You know his name. You know what he looks like. Many of you are intimately familiar with the details of his agenda. You know him, but you really don't know him. The second category people that we absolutely have no idea about. Oftentimes people will come to me and they will ask me, Pastor Bronner, I have a cousin or I have a brother or I have a sister who just recently passed and they're not a member anyway. Would you deliver the eulogy? And I have no idea what they were like in any shape, form, or fashion. So you have to use a generic template to deliver a word of God about someone who you really have no idea about. And there is a third, even more difficult category. And they are people who you do know. But the problem is, 
they're rascals. And every now and then you're going to be called upon to deliver a word about a rascal. You know they cut the food right up until the day they die. And sometimes you will sit in your study trying to plan what you're going to say, trying to think of something good about them, and you just come up with a completely blank slate. And you know not that we're in a position to judge, but if you had to make a rational, logical assessment, you know that on the afterlife elevator, they have pressed the express button down. <laughs> so these are usually the three categories that we are called upon when we have to speak at such occasions. So this is the first time that I have ever delivered a eulogy about someone who I truly knew. And we talked almost every day, sometimes several times a day. And Dr. Evans, I just want to share with you just a little bit of your fruit, because sometimes as pastors, we don't see the fruit. We only see people on Sunday in their best clothes, with their hair every strand in place, on their best behavior. We don't see them on Friday or Saturday night. So, so we oftentimes don't know what our parishioners are truly like. And I want to just share with you his last few text messages to me. And it will somewhat tell you about his nature. He often texts me early in the morning. And, and he would do this on a consistent and regular basis. On Friday. 5.52.8. These messages are still in my phone. Good morning. Another glorious day we've never seen before. Have a great day. Sunday, 8.07 a.m. Good Easter Sunday morning. Another beautiful day the Lord sent. Going for my walk. My last text to him was on Wednesday, April 15th. He was in the hospital after he had just had the heart stent procedure in recovery. And my last text to him read, even Superman needs a little repair every now and then. I never called him Carl. In the last couple of decades, I never addressed him as Carl. I never addressed him as his college moniker of ACK. It was always two things that I introduced him as if I ever introduced him to anyone. And it was what I always called him. Number one, I always called him Mr. Atkinson. If I called the house and Dolores answered the phone, I would ask, is Mr. Atkinson available. And the second thing, I always called him my hero. It began decades ago sort of in jest, but it evolved into a truth, more true 
than I'd even realized. In the book of Mark, ninth chapter, beginning at the 33rd verse, it reads, talking about Jesus, And he came to Capernaum, and being in the house, he asked them, What was it that ye disputed among yourselves by the way? But they held their peace. For by the way, they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. The twelve disciples were arguing among themselves who was the greatest. I imagine James and John, they were making their case saying, we are the sons of thunder. Our preaching is superior. We are the greatest. I imagine Peter said, look, fellas, people were even healed from just my shadow. Don't you understand and don't you realize that I because just my shadow heals people. Don't, don't you understand that I am the greatest? And I imagine John piped up, look, I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. You all may have all this other stuff, but the master said, I'm the, I'm the one who, who Jesus really loved. Don't you know that I am the greatest? The disciples were arguing among themselves which one of them was the greatest? And Jesus didn't answer them, but he set a child in their midst. And if we are honest with ourselves, we have debated, even if only in our minds, which one among us is the greatest. I, of course, knew Carl from college and in college we didn't just debate in our minds which one was the greatest we argued it out verbally and I remember we used to lift weights and Rudy Loney pound for pound was the strongest and his nickname was the mighty. Clarence Knight, he held the record in certain of the weightlifting maneuvers, and he was called uh, the Big Knight. There was another one who ran with us, and he was called the Iron. So each one of us had a title. And we would all argue among ourselves which one of us was the greatest. We, we even debated and we even argued which one of us had the best hat. 
which one of our hair was, was the longest and, and the best looking. We had among ourselves the same argument that the disciples had. Which one among us is the greatest? And as I, I look back, and, and we used to call ourselves the boys. And as I look back upon that title, it was also accurate. Because all of the things that we argued about that so-called made us great, all that stuff has faded. The muscles that we once had, that were so firm and, and so ripped, the six-pack and the eight-pack that used to be so well-defined is now a deflated beach ball. The, the hair that used to flow so fine and used to be so plentiful has now turned white and taken flight. So all of the stuff that, that we used to debate and to argue and discuss about, all of that which used to make us great, our prowess in masculine areas of romance, none of us are the men we used to be. So all of the stuff that we used to say made us the greatest. It was the insight, the mentality, and the maturity of boys. And yet, even in the Bible, God always called his people the children of Israel. And I believe he used the word children because even as men, few of them truly matured. And even now, though we do not do it openly, there's often a, an undercurrent that runs through our minds. Which one of us is the greatest? Which one of us has the largest bank account? Which one of us has the most grandiose house? Which one of us drives the fanciest car? Which one of us has the most prestigious job title? Which one of us has the most academic achievement? Which one of us is the greatest? That question still reverberates in the mind of many. And even you, among your peers and among your relatives, still wonder that question, which one of us is the greatest? And Jesus knew the disciples' argument. Because the Bible says they held their peace. When Jesus asked them, what were you debating about? What were you disputing about along the way? They held their peace. They didn't say anything. Jesus looked into their hearts and he knew they were arguing among themselves who was the greatest. And he took a child and put the child in their midst. Mr. Atkinson's passion and mission in life was to take care of broken children. He took a child 
and he put a child in their midst. I talked with him extensively, and he had a passion, along with his wife Dolores, about the children. I was dealing with mega business, but he had a passion about the children. And he would tell me every detail of every instance of all of the things that he had to work through and work with. And it was his heart to take that which was broken and mend it. Which one of us is the greatest? It is a rare combination in life to find a man with extreme passion for his wife and work. Dr. Evans, as a pastor, you may not acknowledge this publicly but privately, you know it is so. Of the counseling that we do, it is a rare combination to find a man who has passion about his wife and his work. And I never will forget a statement that Mr. Atkinson made to me that still stays engraved and blazing in my mind. And he said, you know, every morning that I wake up, I am glad that baby doll is there. It is a rare combination to find a man who has passion for his wife and for his work. In the article that ran in the St. Petersburg Times, and they quoted some things that I said, they, they actually misquoted my age. They took 10 years off the actual number. <laughs> and I believe that when you are involved with love, it helps to keep you young. I, I, I believe that See, even now, the one among the boys who has the greatest hair is still Mr. Atkins. It didn't have a strand of gray anywhere, nor any hair that had taken flight. I, I believe that his love for people, his love for his wife, and his love for the children helped to even keep him looking young. And that night that I had learned of his passing, tears came to my eyes as I realized truly why he was my hero. His priorities, they were different from what corporate America would place as a priority. And it, as I sat there and lay there and I thought about it, I often have a somewhat of a quandary when people ask me when I go places and they don't know me, they'll ask me, what do you do? And because I'm both pastor and businessman, I generally will tell them about the businesses first and the pastor stuff last. And as I thought about Mr. Atkins, I said, I have to reverse 
even the way that I speak, and I have to understand what's important. Because all of the business stuff, it's going to go the way of the muscles, and it's going to go the way of the hair. And only the things that you do for others are truly eternal. And from this point on, I'm never going to tell people when they ask me, what do you do? I'm not going to start with the business. I'm not even going to mention it. I'm going to tell them. I operate a website at airjesus.com, and I am a minister, and I work in two businesses to help support what my mission is. Because of this atmosphere, I refocus priorities. All of the stuff that we thought was great fades. When I was an actor, I drove a gold Mach 1 Mustang. Everyone called it the Stang. I love that car. I love the way it looked. I love the way that it sat. I, I love the dashboard and the way it lit up at night. I, I had dual exhaust added to it. I love the way it rumbled when I cranked it up and drove it down the street. I loved everything about that car. And I kept it for years after college. The Stang and I were inseparable, and it took me everywhere that I needed to go. Mr. Atkinson had a red Nova. And yet, even though I love the stand, if you ask me now, when is the last time that you have gone to the junkyard to pay tribute to the stand? When is the last time you have driven by the salvage place just to see the old hulk of what it used to be and what you used to drive and what it used to convey you? When is the last time I have not thought about the stand? For years. And the reason that I haven't thought about the staying is because I've got a better vehicle now. These bodies, they will go the way of the staying. They will go to the junkyard that we call a graveyard. They will turn just like metal and plastic and rubber. They will turn back to the dust. But just as when I let the stable, I, I got a better vehicle. Mr. Atkinson now has a better vehicle. And, and you see, all you do is, is you change the vehicle that conveys your spirit. You get out of one vehicle and get into another. And we've got to understand, it is not the car. It's not the vehicle that is who we are. It's not that at all. That stuff goes back to dust. But the spirit reigns eternal. As I was talking with my brother, not too long after I had received the message that Mr. Atkinson had passed on, my brother asked me, what were you doing at the exact moment that Carl passed over? Because my brother knew that I was spiritually sensitive to a lot of things. And he said, what were you doing, your closest friend, what were you doing at the exact moment that he passed over? 
And as I paused and I thought about it, at the time, I was in Alaska. I had taken my 12-year-old son there for his birthday as he transcended from 12 years old to 13 to becoming a man. And we took a trip together for an entire week. At the moment of Mr. Atkinson's passing, I was standing in the middle of a glacier. The glacier was there surrounded by mountains and we had actually flown in on a small prop plane outfitted with skis, landed on the glacier, and I was there in the middle of a glacier. And I remember as I was there, standing there, mountains all around, you couldn't get there any other way except by air. And I remember standing there, and after a while, my eyes began to close up because the glare and the brightness were so bright. And I told my son, I, I now understand what people go through with snow blindness, but I was saying to myself, it's not supposed to come this fast. And the light became so bright that I had to squint and I could barely open my eyes and it lasted for several minutes and then it disappeared. And I could open my eyes full width and everything was fine. And I thought nothing about it, but I knew that it was unusual. We got back aboard the plane, took off, and as we came out of the mountains, because there was no cell signal in the midst of those mountains, as we came out of the mountains, my phone vibrated with a text message. And the text message read from my wife, Dolores called and said that Carl has passed. Later that night, still in Alaska, and I was talking with my wife, and she asked me, she said, did you turn the garage light on? I said, what do you mean, did I turn the garage light on? We have several garages at our house, and, and where my wife parks on one side, and there's actually a wall and a door that separates the garages, I park on the other side. She said, in the spot, in the garage where you park your Jeep, the light is on, and when you open the door, you know how uh, the overhead door with the motorized contraption, the light comes on. Well, there's a button that you can push on the control panel, and it will keep the light on. She says, I don't understand how the light got turned on. None of the children have been there. The nannies have not been there. How in the world did the light get turned on in your garage? And it was late at night as I was talking with her. And she says, I'm going out and turn it off, but you stay on the phone and if I holler, you call 911. <laughs> I knew it was unusual. And as I thought about it, I understood that Mr. Atkins was trying to show us the light. He is now in the light. He has transcended over to what I know without question is a better place. And he's left the light on for us. And now as I close, I want to 
invite those of you and you're not sure about your eternal destiny because the stuff that you think is great in this life people it ain't so every bit of this stuff is going to fade and it's going to go to dust everything that we've held is so important everything that we've struggled and worked for and put so much emphasis on all this stuff is going to fade and go to dust and there are some of you here today and you have not made a true commitment to Christ you have not made a true commitment in your heart mind and spirit and you don't know Truly, which button you're going to press when you get on the afterlife elevator? And for those of you who don't know, as, as we were getting ready to leave yesterday to fly here from Atlanta, my wife wanted to mail off some envelopes, and, and she asked me, she said, how much is the postage now? Is it such and such or such and such? And because the postal rates have changed recently. And, and I told her, I said, I don't know because I don't buy those kind of stamps. And she asked me, she said, well, what kind of stamps do you buy? I said, I only buy forever stamps. She said, I've never heard of a forever stamp. I said, well, a forever stamp is a stamp that you can buy from the post office, and no matter what the postal rates do, it's good forever. She said, I don't believe that. So I went and got her and showed it to her a forever stamp. People, I am offering to you today a forever stamp. Man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. This life is over faster than we realize. And if you don't make the decision today for those of you and it's placed in your heart, you may never get another opportunity. You don't know when that day is coming. You may think you've got another 30, 40, 50 years, but, but you don't know. And I can tell you that if you make the decision today, there comes a peace and there comes a joy and you've been wrestling with it in your spirit. You, you know that something is missing because all of the stuff that all of the advertising has said is great is somehow not fulfilling you. And you may think you've got it all. You can't drown it away. You can't smoke it away. You can't shoot it up. That there's something, something is missing from your life. You need a forever stamp. And the difference between God's forever stamp and man's forever stamp is that God has already paid for his stamp. And all you have to do is accept it. And I want everyone just right now, if you would, just, just bow your heads. Bow your heads. And for those listening to my voice right now, and you know in your heart, your mind, and your spirit, that you need to either dedicate or rededicate. You may have been in the church long ago. You, you may have been baptized, but, you, but you've fallen away. And you want to get back right, right now. 
You want to be able to go in the light when the time comes. And you want to make that decision today. You, you want to straighten out some things in your world. I just want you to just slip your hands up right now. Right now. If you know that, that right now, this day, you want to make changes. Just slip your hands up so that, so that we can slip your hands up right now. For those of you who know upon this day. Now for those who raise their hands, I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to stand right now. Go ahead. If God says, look, if you don't acknowledge me before me, I will not acknowledge you before my Father. Just say, if you raise your hand, just stand. And come out in the aisles and come forward. I want to just pray for you. Sometimes you may think this is hard for me to rededicate myself at a funeral, but let me tell you people, there's no better time. Just come on down front. Just come down front. Just, just come on down front. That there is no better time than right now. All of the stuff that we see is so great. All the money and the things and the stuff, it becomes empty without Christ. And as I think back on that question, which one of us is the greatest, and Jesus took a little child and sat him in the midst of him, Mr. Atkins took little children sat in the midst of their lives and mended and changed them. And even though many of us may have greater worldly accomplishments, when I truly ask myself the question, which one of us was the greatest, the answer comes up, Mr. Atkinson, my hero. And for those of you who have come forward, I just want you to raise your hands and I want you to repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I stand before you a sinner. Lord, I have done wrong. I have not been as close to you as I should have been. Many times I've walked away, turned my back, and have not listened to the voice which you spoke unto my spirit. Repeat it after me. But Father, upon this day, I stand here with a new resolution. Father, I recommit my life to you. And I believe that your son Jesus died for my sins and was resurrected and I commit right now unto him to turn over a new leaf and to follow a new path and to walk in the light of his word and his will. Father, I thank you for sparing me. I could have been did. I could have been gone. And I could have not been given this chance 
to get right. On this day, I accept the Lord Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. The name of Jesus we pray. Amen. God bless This ends message number 5434 by Nathaniel Bronner Jr. To hear other messages or to send this message number 5434 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 5434. Which one of us is the greatest? The eulogy of my friend. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.